As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Oh, there we go. Oh, beautiful. Lush. Fantastic. It's going to be great to hear that, isn't it? It's going to be great hearing that again when the teams are running out and all that and the crowd roars and the, and then Newcastle get beaten off Sheffield United. Yeah. It's going to be great. I mean, it's been played, obviously, for the past um, for the past year or so, but not with people responding to it. So, yeah. Absolutely. And that's the point of today's show, really, isn't it? It is. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by... The Athletic, my name's Taylor Payne, and coming up on this week's show... We'll be reacting to the Man City game as the champions steal all three points in a seven-goal thriller at St James's Park. We'll be speaking to YouTuber Kendall Rowan and NUST board member Thomas Concannon about the return of fans to stadiums ahead of the midweek match for Sheffield United. Newcastle United stuck in limbo, we'll discuss what the club can do in the summer and beyond as fans face up to the prospect of another season with Mike Ashley as owner. And the quiz is back and this week it's hosted by young George Colgan who is a fan of the podcast and quizzes in general from County Durham. (laughs) But, But before we get into any of that shenanigans... How are we doing, chaps? Chris, how are you? Uh, yes, I am very good, thank you. I am very, very excited mm. to for fans to be back on Wednesday, yes, as, as I know everyone is. And I know that's very selfish almost for me to say, because I have been going to games, but it it's honestly has not been the same. And to have that company, albeit from a, from a safe distance, will be absolutely fantastic. And I'm so thrilled for everyone who can, can be back. You are a fundamentally selfish per- person, of course, Chris. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. I mean, that's just... <laughs> That's just natural to go out seeing. How are you doing, George? You all right? Yes, uh, I'm also very excited about that. Um, yes. I'm not going to be at St James's uh, uh, this week, which I'm sad about, but I am going to Fulham for the last game of the season. So I'm looking forward to that. And that is going to give me a chance to see my family and my dad down there for the first time in 14 months or so. So I'm feeling quite emotional this week for all those 
reasons. What a strange world we've been living in for the past... Um, we certainly have. Yeah, but getting back to a bit of normality, hopefully. How are you doing? I'm not too bad at all. I'm all right, yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to hearing... Fans in the ground. I'm not going to be there Wednesday night. I've got I'm working, so unfortunately I can't go. I can't actually go to the game. But it's it feels like a big moment, doesn't it? It feels like a a big big step on the road towards normality again. And I, I'm really uh, really excited to see to see fans in the ground. And I, I, I've got a feeling it's going to be an emotional night. I think there's a lot of people there who will maybe be seeing friends and family for the first time in a long time. And, you know, you catch up with your, the people in the seats around you where you've got your season ticket and stuff like that, who you only see at the game. You, you don't see those people at any other point. So it, it's going to be one of those nights, isn't it? It's going to be a difficult one, but I'm sure it's going to be an emotional time. Yeah. I can't wait to hear random strangers just swearing in amusing fashion as well. That's what I want. So hopefully Kendall, <laughs> Kendall and Thomas can do a bit of that this week for us. Fly the flag for us. Of course, Kenneling Thomas are coming on to discuss that very thing later on. But before we crack on with uh, the rest of the podcast, uh, we've got just enough time to tell you about the latest offer from The Athletic. So you can subscribe to The Athletic UK right now for a special price of $3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, just like our George and Chris here, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. Chris, anything interesting on the horizon for you? Well, today I've been working on a piece which, I'm not going to lie, has uh, taxed me greatly because it's not my specialist subject at all, but I've been working with Matt Slater to produce a piece basically looking at a friend of the podcast, Matt Slater, who's far better at this sort of thing than me, but basically looking at... (laughs) The latest uh, legal twist, legal direction that the, the, the takeover saga has dragged into and sort of looking at arbitration, looking at um, the anti-competition case, what's the difference between the two, how does it affect Newcastle, what's going to happen this summer, basically trying to answer as many questions as possible about the process. So that's a sort of in-depth Q&A which should be up by the time this podcast out. And then also... Um, over the weekend after the Man City game I looked at um, the big conversations which Steve Boos said Newcastle United need mm. to have um, he yes. will have with with the ownership and the hierarchy and I sort of looked at what they will be but also what I believe that they should be um, and in terms of the one of which obviously is the takeover situation but transfers and, and the like and all that sort of those issues going forward We're going to be talking a bit about that later on as well aren't we? Uh, George, how about you? You were you were working with Alan Shearer last weekend. So what is it this week? You're doing a profile on the tea lady from West Allotment Celtic or something like that? Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> do that in 6,000 words. Yeah, A I long read. It's a great idea. Well, they're all long, aren't they? Um, yeah, I've been working on a couple of Euro 96 pieces. I say Euro oh, 96. I mean, yes. um, well, one Euro 96 piece, and um, so uh, which I'm kind of quite excited about. And yeah, a couple of other sort of things ahead of ahead of the Euros this summer, which I'm yeah, which I'll talk about at greater length nearer the time. Fabulous, fabulous stuff. There we go. So get yourselves to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod uh, and take advantage of that special forty percent discount and read all of those lovely words from George and Chris. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod. Right then, Chris, Manchester City. That was another bizarre game of football, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely, but in a in a in a wonderful sort of way. I mean, it's just Newcastle United, the entertainers. Newcastle United. Shut up, Chris! Top. Don't even oh, sully them. Oh, oh f- full on, on, full on. Not, oh, no, but but I want to. I, 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 I know I'm taking them at their to an extent, but that's what pleased me so much on Friday. And I think that 
you've seen is almost universal applause from supporters, even though Newcastle lost, mm, was because yeah. it was it was a game they were expected to lose. But although they only had eighteen percent possession, another first team ever since Opta recorded stats to have that little possession that. and score three what times. But 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 the the, the difference was I mean, the, the time sh- Newcastle sh- had wait, the ball. Wait wait wait. Surely, Chris, even even if you were trying to actively avoid the football, I mean, if you were trying to run away, if you were like playing chasing with the football and you weren't yeah. allowed to touch it, you would almost touch it more than 18% of the time, surely, just from people blasting at you. It's astonishing, that figure, isn't it? That's mad. It's ridiculous. It is, but but, but what it was, but, but the time that that small possession Newcastle had, rather than as it's been so often where they just give the ball away or don't have any enthusiasm to get forward at all and it's almost like they're just stuck in this sort of rigid defensive formation. Although they were very disciplined off the ball, as soon as they got it, the bodies that, that flew forward, the, the intensity to attack, the desire to attack, the likes of Willick getting forward, the likes of Joe Linton, Sam Maximan, Almiron, all these players going forward. And that was what was different. That is what Newcastle fans want to see. They want to see some sort of intent. And if they end up losing 4-3 against the team who've been crowned champions, who are absolutely wonderful side, even though they made quite a few changes, then so be it. But that that is what we want to see. We want to see some sort of intent. And if that's a little indication of what we might see going forward, then brilliant, because I'm all for that, because it was just wonderful. I mean, George, it was a, it was a good, honest, sort of hard-fought performance from Newcastle, wasn't it? They showed character, uh, and they showed a bit of intent when they had the ball. They weren't just there to allow City to have a, a, a celebration at being crowned champions, were they? No, it was good, and it you know it carries on a theme, doesn't it, after the, after the mm. Leicester match as well. Um, I'm, was it wonderful? I'm not sure if I would say it was wonderful. Can you can you be wonderful if you've not touched? Did the I football? call it wonderful? I didn't call it wonderful. No, Chris just did. Chris did just it? said it was wonderful. Um, I, 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 I thought, thought no, I, I, I stick by that. I thought it was. I mean, compared to what I've had to sit and what Newcastle fans have had to sit oh. and watch through most of the season, I think in terms of a relative oh, Jesus, sense, it was caviar. against, it was against caviar, that Chris. against that team, and it's it's the fact that it's the fact that actually a lot for large parts of the game, I actually thought that defensively that they they made. They stopped Man City from creating a lot of opportunities as well. So it wasn't it wasn't like Man City had thirty five shots and scored four goals. I think they had seven shots on target or so. Uh, seven shots, yeah. sorry, and four of them like five five of them on target and scored four of them. So it wasn't it yeah. wasn't like that. And yeah, they didn't have much of the ball. But when Newcastle had the ball, it was always exciting. It was always rush to get forward as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah. It was always mm. Willock arriving late in the box. It was Sam Maximan going forward. And so I think there was a sort of thrilling nature to it. And and I mean the game all the game changed actually at a stage where. Man City had the ball for more than three and a half minutes, and I saw quite a few oh, people saying, "Oh, it's so boring, boring yeah, football, really... not trying to do anything with it." But that was the time where they controlled the game. They killed the game at that stage because it was Newcastle couldn't get the ball for three and a half minutes. They couldn't counter attack. We'll just pass it between ourselves, and then the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, just there was nothing to it. Newcastle Put couldn't get back out of it, didn't into it? that sort of rhythm. Exactly. That three minutes was mesmerising. It was like, oh my god, when was the last time? I couldn't remember a time when Newcastle actually had been on the ball. It was like. Do you did you do you remember the last time Newcastle touched the ball? No, I can't. When was it? I think it was last year sometime. This <laughs> it was like a different game, wasn't it? It was it was like they were playing a yeah. different sport though when they were doing that. No, I am being silly. It was a very compelling game of football. Um and as Chris says, I think, you know, this is something this is something we've touched upon time and time again. There is a way that you can uh, you know, you can be a good counter-attacking. There's nothing wrong with being a counter-attacking team. Nothing wrong with that at all. If that's the way you want to play, if that makes the best use of the players you've got, fair play. But you know, do it in a way that's aggressive. Do it in a way that causes the opposition pr- problems. Don't just sit there, take blow after blow after blow, 
and wait to be knocked out, you know, actually have a go back. And Newcastle have found a way of doing that much more efficiently um, in the last in the last few games. And that is good to see, you know. And there is, I think there is a, you know, we know that they don't win games without Wilson. They haven't done that um, so far this season. But... Um, there was, you know, there was still a there was still a way of playing, and um, and it was it, and it was efficient, and it did cause them problems. You know, it caused Man City problems, and that's that's what you want to do. You want to challenge them. You want to compete with them. You want to you want to give them something. You want to give them a kind of equation to work out. And they got there in the end. Fair play to them. They're a brilliant team, but um, it wasn't that horrible supine sit back, wait to be trampled yeah, over. Roll over and have your tummy tickled kind of version of exactly yeah, the version of, that the, so many of the team that we've seen. Yeah. A goal from Emil Kraft as well, Chris. I don't think anyone had that down. Emil Kraft I, I realised um during that game because I saw a picture of him. He looks like you know if you put Matt Ritchie through one of them pasta machines. You know that you like squash pasta through. That's what Emil Kraft looks like. He is like his brother. There are times where he just is like mini me and bigger me. I yeah. don't know. The, I don't know what the normal size me. I don't know. That like stretch make sense. That's what he looks like. Um, but it was. It was. I mean, I thought Emil Kraft's celebration was amazing. I mean, he looked like he, he. He was a. Ba- I don't know. Was it? Was he embarrassed? Was he bashful <laughs> he about like, scoring? It was sort of. Chris, he looked like a man who hadn't scored a goal for a long time. That's what he looked like. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to <laughs> he didn't do. Know did he? That's the clue what to do. It was a great header though, and I think he's. Yeah, and I mean, I was skeptical when he was when he was in the team for. For the game away at Leicester, uh, I think there was, I think everyone, there was a sort of collective sigh of sort of uh, concern that he was that he was in the team um, because of because he hasn't really covered himself in a glory during his Newcastle career so no. far. But actually, I think he was very good in both games. I think he, actually, Kieran Clark, I think was struggling in that sort of central defensive role. I think he preferred being on the left of the three, and so Fernandez back in the middle has shored them up a little bit, and, and Emil yeah. Kraft has sort of played well there. And I asked Bruce about it after the game. I said, "Is that where you see Emil Kraft playing going forward?" And he said, "Well." He can play and he can play in both as a right back and a four, and then as a right centre back in that position. And it's no, it was great to see and yeah, really, really good header. And I was really pleased with him because he has he has had a difficult time at Newcastle so far. George, be honest. When Joe Linton picked that ball up to take that penalty, what was what was going through your head? Um. Well, um. I mean, I'm, I wasn't overwhelmed with confidence. I think it's it's probably fair to say, but no, he yeah. absolutely twatted it. He twatted it. He didn't half twat it, didn't he? And I tell that you was what, sheer ask penalty that. I want a twatted penalty. I'm so yeah, I'm, I like that. I, I, it's not. You know, I was going to say it's not his fault. It is his fault. When I think about Sergio Aguero's recent penalty for Man City, it's like it's, I can't stop thinking about that. But just put your foot through it. Yeah. I mean, I like to think of myself as a sort of footballing romantic, but not when it comes to penalties. I think, I think, smash it. That's just it's just dickheadery that you know trying to do fancy dance stuff for the penalty. You just whack it as hard as you can, and he he absolutely twatted it, which is a technical term that they use on the training ground. It was it was a proper twatter. Joe Willock's not so much though, was it? He missed the missed the penalty, but then did well to recover. Slipped a little bit and put the rebound in. Uh, and 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 took his goal and took his goal well and continued this uh, this astonishing run of of goals that he's on at the minute, Chris. He's he, he he's really proven himself to be a valuable addition to this squad, hasn't he? He's been very very important. I think that Newcastle look 
a side transformed to an extent with him in the team, not just his goals, but is it the, the fact that he always seems to be there and arriving in the box late and those those difficult runs to track where defenders don't don't see him coming necessarily, midfielders don't pick him up, and the pace and the drive, the ability he gets to sort of he's drive very beyond quick, people. Isn't he? He's, he is quick he's and he's powerful quick. as well. He is, and, he, and he, he's, he's good at sort of pressing, he's good at, at nicking the ball, nicking possession high up the field, and so I think he really has shown what, what Steve Bruce, to be fair, has said that he wanted for a long while from Newcastle midfield, which they haven't had in, in a long while, and he has brought something different there. I mean, I don't know exactly what happened with the penalty. I mean, Bruce came out afterwards and said something about uh, Joe Linton, Brazilians don't believe in two penalties, taking two penalties in one game or something like that. I didn't really understand what he was trying to say with that and why it was Willick took the penalty. And yeah, he didn't cover himself in any glory with it, but then he was very cool and composed to finish uh, with his with his left foot to, to, to actually <laughs> yeah. score the goal. So it was, I think that, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a bit, but I just think that either keeping Joe Willock or getting someone of that ilk in midfield is definitely what Newcastle need because that has helped them on the counter-attack as well. Rather than it just being the sort of front three, to have that, that support coming from midfield has been huge. Every goal he scores and every game he plays well, it's it's going to add a couple of million onto that price, isn't it, George? Is it is it something? Do you think that Newcastle will be will be looking to do is to bring Joe Willock in uh, permanently in the in the next season? Well, it's obviously something that Steve Bruce has talked about, and um, I'm sure I'm sure most fans listening would would have the same thought that it would be something that Newcastle really should be trying to do. Um, yeah, the problem is is that uh, as you say, the better he does. The more you know, the more difficult that becomes, and I think also with, uh, you know, with the problems that Arsenal have been going through this season, I'm sure you know, I'm sure they'll be looking at this very closely and wondering whether they can assimilate him into into the team. I mean, it's going to be an interesting summer for all sorts of reasons, not least the fact that, you know, every club will want to be generating money if they possibly can, or not spending a huge amount of money. And when we had. Amy Lawrence, our brilliant one of our one of our brilliant Arsenal writers on, not too long ago to talk about Willock, she she did speak about that that um, you know that the club will be looking uh, to to make some money, so they they'll have a balance uh, down there too. But yeah, I guess the problem is is that it's uh, becomes a vicious circle. The better he does, the more difficult it's going to be to sign him. But I hope I hope that those conversations are already taking place. Well, we're going to talk a bit more about big conversations in a little bit, uh, and we'll be back very soon uh, with Kendall Rowan and Thomas Concannon to talk about the return of fans to stadiums. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Right, hello again, ladies and gents. We are back, uh, and we are joined by Kendall Rowan and Thomas Concannon. Uh, we're going to be talking a bit about fans returning to the stadiums, but first of all, hello, Kendall. How are you doing? Hello, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem at all. Thanks for coming on. Hello, Thomas. How's it going, Taylor? Thanks for having us on. I'm not bad. I'm not bad at all. How, how are you doing? Are you excited for this week? Very. Buzzing. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> so, Kendall, you first. Saw, how are you feeling about about returning to St James's Park and about seeing football live again? I'm buzzing in that respect to go and see football live. Like it's something that I've had a season ticket for Newcastle now since 2006. So even when I was at uni and stuff, I still came back for the matches. So it's something that has just been a routine in my life for for that long. Um, I'm just so excited to get back into it. So excited to see, like, spend a day without my dad and my brother because I haven't seen them a lot. We don't live together and they've worked through the whole pandemic. So uh, just nice to go and see them. Um, I, I am worried that I'm going to feel a bit, little bit of second-hand embarrassment, like with all of the, in case there's going to be, like, fan chants and, you know, uh, Bruce out and I'm going to be sitting there, like, you know, when you just feel sorry for someone. I, oh, that's what I'm worried about. But other than that, I'm just, I'm, buzz, I'm buzzing to go now. Really, really buzzing. How about you, Thomas? Is 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 this sort of uh, night been in your in your head for a while? Have you been thinking about this about returning to St James's since last March? Um, yeah, last year. It, it's <laughs> just been a long time coming. Um, I'm so excited for Wednesday. Um, I know that it's not the the occasion, you know, of fifty two thousand, but it's a start. Um, like I say, it's been oh, well fourteen months, fifteen months since since we were last able to go to a game. So it's yeah. um yeah this is hugely anticipated. I just can't wait to see me mates again and and just get back inside the ground and you know not, I'm not really thinking about the quality of the football. I'm just thinking about going to the match and, and you know. <laughs> I don't think you can get when it's Newcastle just as well. <laughs> exactly. Best <laughs> if just ignore that. I think at this point. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Best way. Kendall, you said you said you went you would go with your you're looking forward to seeing your dad and your brother. Would you normally go go with them on the match? Uh, yeah, we've gone together. My dad's had the same season ticket now for 25 years. Um, so and when we were old enough, we just kind of got seats around him. So yeah, we always go together. Is it? Are you feeling emotional about it? Um, emotion. You know, this season's dragged on for that long. I think I'm just, I'm just ready to, you know, move on into the next stage. I think everybody is, regardless of whether you're a football fan at this point. But, um, yeah, it's a little bit emotional because, as I say, I haven't spent a lot of time with them throughout this whole pandemic. We, as I say, we don't live together. So, yeah, as soon as you get in St James's Park, you know, you hear your local hero and you hear all of the the match day build up. Like, I'll get goosebumps, and I think I will. I even got a bit emotional seeing the the FA Cup game the other day when I saw fans in. I heard proper fan noise. I was like, yeah, I felt a bit emotional then. So, yeah, no, God knows what I'll be doing when we're actually inside the ground. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because I've I've kind of. I got a bit of that on sun on Sunday watching the cup final as well. I got the old the hairs on the neck went up when the when the fan chant started and it was nothing to do in Newcastle. So I mean, Thomas, do you, do you think there'll be there might be a few teary eyes? It might be a bit dusty inside that stadium on uh, on Wednesday night, mightn't it? You never know because it, it means a lot to so many people. It certainly does, yeah. People that haven't haven't been you know that haven't missed a game in forty odd years and haven't been able to go for the best part of the year that the it's um yeah I think that I think it will be quite emotional. I was the same as Kendall watching the game on Saturday, the cup final and like the national anthem and everything else and you, you couldn't help but get a little bit emotional. It, it definitely got you excited for for this Wednesday. I mean, 
even when the ballot results, you were waiting for the ballot results to see if you had a ticket or not. I was I was incredibly nervous. Um, I was desperate to go. Um, I was yeah, I was really nervous. I was going to miss out, but it seems as though everyone got one anyway. The timing of the game is obviously six o'clock. I'll go to you first, Thomas, and I'll come to you, Kendall. Have you got what is your plan sort of for the night? Because I suppose it's not quite like an eight o'clock kickoff where maybe you go to the pub for quite a bit beforehand. What are your sort of plans, Thomas? Um, I've taken the day off work. <laughs> <laughs> so um good lad that's what i like to hear <laughs> I'm, I'm uh i'm actually i'm going in i'm going into town for a few pints beforehand with my mates um which Love i can't that. wait for um just try and make a proper match, match day of it you know i mean the the kickoff time's a little bit rubbish and obviously everyone has their own different entry times to to get into the ground but um it is what it is if that's what we've got to do to get back then you know we can take it on the chin for now but yeah i've taken the day off and i can't wait Where's the match day routine then, Thomas? Where do you usually go? What pubs will you be at? Um, it's normally like the Bodega or, you know, anything, you know, the Fourth or, or uh, the Town Wall. Um, but unfortunately, we couldn't get in those places, so we've had to settle for Shark Bar. <laughs> um, which, <laughs> which I'm hoping... They do brownie right. on tap, though, I think, don't they? But this oh, is... It's man. Wednesday, isn't it? I don't, I don't know if they've got Wings Wednesday on or anything like that, so I might have scored, but you never know. <laughs> That was a uni, a uni staple, that, a Wing Wednesday. <laughs> Don't lie, Thomas. That's exactly that's exactly where you want it to go, isn't it? Don't lie. It's not. Kendall, what are, you, what, what are your plans then in terms of the kickoff? Are you, have you taken a day off work or are you going to have to sort of rush down after after work or anything? I'm cabin crew, so, uh, yeah, so I still am not currently working at this at this time. YouTube's kind of my little career now. Um, but so I don't really have to take a day off work because I'm just, you know, a, a doster sitting at home <laughs> doing YouTube. <laughs> uh, but no, but um, to be honest, I... My dad and my brother are both working that day, so they're not going to finish till quite late. I'm I'm going to head over a bit earlier than they will. And my brother's a teacher, so he won't finish till you know half four. Um, so he'd be cutting it fine. But I'm going to go head over. Going to film a couple of fan cams. Um, with Magpie Channel. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of filming for for the BBC as well. Just on bit off the back of the um interview I did with them last week about sexism in football and then I'm going to head into the game so yeah going to be a busy afternoon for me I think then very different to normal match days when my dad's normal like he doesn't get there until five minutes before and we rush into find a blooming parking space it's going to be very very different to that. Thomas what are you most looking forward to with returning to the ground what what's the thing that you've been looking forward to the most? It's just being there, isn't it? It's not the football, um, is it? Let's be honest. It's, it's, it's not the football. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not even thinking about the game because I'm fully anticipating yeah. that we're going to lose because it's just our luck. But um, yeah, it, it's just it's it's the walk up to the ground. It's the anticipation beforehand. It's the getting into your seat and and just hearing those those normal songs that you hear beforehand, local hero playing races, and just hopefully mm. being able to sing a chant or two. Um, and you know, vent some frustration that we've had in the in the last in the last fourteen months of not being able to go to the games and just being able to just scream at the top of our lungs and it be socially acceptable. What about you, Kendall? What are you most looking forward to going back? Exactly, exactly the same as Thomas. I'm just looking forward to just actually being there, being in the ground. I'm not missing the um, you know, the seven pound pints and that. <laughs> that might be a bit, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but yeah, I'm not missing the any tiny that. little TVs <laughs> in the concourse. Oh, you know, yeah, them little, little tiny. They're like oh, ten inch tellies. I may as well have an iPad on the wall as well. Yeah, I'm just. That's the thing. Like that's what we normally do. We go and you know put a bet on before the match, and you know come 
sit in your seat and have a bit crack with the people around you. I know it's going to be a little bit different this yeah. time, but just being in the ground, being in the atmosphere. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm worried about secondhand embarrassment coming from the chance. Like, not that I'm embarrassed for the fans. I just mean like I'm embarrassed for Steve and Bruce, like just sitting listening to that because I certainly wouldn't be signing myself up to have 10,000 people singing, uh, <laughs> singing the odds at me. Like, But yeah, just going to enjoy the whole experience of it again. And actually, because it's just something you take for granted, as I say. You've been, I've been going for so many weekends in my life. Like, It's just something I've took for granted. So just reveling the whole experience, I think, this time. Thomas, what's it been like in terms of watching games at St James's Park when there's been no crowd there. What has that been like for you as a fan who would have been there otherwise? Uh really difficult. It's 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 a tough one. I remember when, when I was at Southampton last season, um which was obviously the last game and and we I heard that it was going to be going behind closed doors and I just couldn't couldn't comprehend that football would ever go ahead without fans being there. And it got to a stage where obviously, you know, the football had to return and it gave us that little bit to to keep an eye on in in our own lockdown and um it just it hasn't been an enjoyable experience you know i think obviously we're really getting used to var and things like that now which has probably ruined it as well um it's just not for me watching football at home i've always gone to the games home and away and it's just yeah just absolutely desperate for this this wednesday to come and then you know i'm lucky enough that i've got tickets for the for england's games at the euros as well so i've got that summer to look forward to and and just getting back to some sort of normality. Um, it had, like I say, it hasn't been very enjoyable at all. Um, and yeah, just just bring it back. There's a strange relationship, isn't there? Because I think for so many people, going to the game was a struggle. I mean, go, you know, going to the game had, be, had become a struggle. And we know, you know, the ten thousand people who'd, who'd sort of walked away. I wonder if this sort of almost refreshes the mind in some ways for the people who will go that, you know, we sort of took it for granted. He took everything for granted. You know, I've not seen my dad for 14 months because of this pandemic and I'm I'm getting to see him this week, which I'm really excited, you know, really obviously feeling excited about and emotional about, but it sort of resets everything, doesn't it? In some ways. And, you know, we might have concerns about the club. Well, we do have concerns about the club and the way it's run and the way the team has played at times this season, but it's just that simple pleasure of doing something that we, took for granted and you know I've not been a sort of paying fan for for decades but I I realized pretty quickly how the just the noise just just being with people was so fundamental to the whole experience that I just can't feel anything without it I just can't wait to to hear that noise again and to you know to feel that connection to what I'm seeing again um because we've it's all been pretend this season hasn't it really I think it's it it's caused some pretty weird um, results and stuff like that as well, where you know the the home and away uh, kind of advantage has completely gone out the window, hasn't it? I mean, Thomas, do you think do you think fans returning will have a positive uh, effect on the players, or do you think it could actually have a negative effect on them after so long of playing in empty stadiums? That's a very good question. It's one that I've wondered myself as to how they would react. Um, I think it's difficult to see until we get back in and, and see what the results turn out to be um i'd like to think it had a positive influence fans being there you know mm, it is it's yeah. the biggest part of the game isn't it so i would hate to think that that we were to have a negative impact as has been branded about about newcastle fans for some time um you know i just i just hope that it's it's the positive influence that we 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 know and, and think it is um and and just hope that that the players see it that way and to be honest you know going back to what you were saying there george about the about the feeling of, of going back and it's 
it's funny, I don't think the majority of people going back are, are even thinking about all the politics surrounding the club at the moment. I think everyone's no. just excited to get back. It doesn't seem I don't like think anyone's. I don't think anyone's like anyone going to the game on Wednesday is is overly bothered about going there to give the manager any stick or the owner any stick. I think we've we've just missed it that much that it's the that romantic side of football is finally coming back into our lives and and that's what that's what people's mindset is on at the moment and that's what that's personally where mine is anyway and I know my, my personal my, my own friends feel feel that way as well. What would you normally do after a game, Kendall? Would you go for a drink? Uh, yeah, normally we do. We go for a, a drink just depending on where, to be honest. We meet up with like, a, a couple of other people that we've known for a while. Um, and yeah, that, that'll be something that we might not even be able to do this time. But um, it's just so nice to be able to just be there. Like, as as you all said, like it's just so nice to have that have it back. Um, and after everything that's gone on, because I know when I start the kind of midway through last season before um obviously the the games were called off and things um I remember it was I think it was Burnley nil nil the last home game I was at um and I just sat there and I, my, me and my dad said we were like it's actually becoming a chore it like it felt like yeah. at that stage a chore to go there um and I it, I hated feeling like that, but it was how I felt at the time. So now, as Thomas said, I think I'm just so excited to be there. Now I'm not even bothered what I go to watch. I, I'm I haven't got that in my mind. I'm just I'm going there because I want to be there and just have that experience of being in St James's Park again, and you know the whole kind of getting back to normality side of it. Do you think it? Do you think it has revitalised you a bit then as a fan? Do you think? I mean, I I get the whole thing of feeling like it's a chore because I've had that feeling with Newcastle as well. When you sit there and you think, why am I? Why am I giving up my Saturday or whenever to, to to watch to watch this? You know, and I'm not getting any pleasure out of it. Um, but do you, do you think the break has revitalised fans? Do you think it's 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 going to give them a little shot in the arm? Yeah, I think so because as we as we've said, everyone will just be glad to be going back. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be bothered about how we play. I don't think anyone's going to be bothered about the subs. You know, there's been calls for the likes of Matty Longstaff to start, so people aren't going to be sitting there saying, "Oh, well, why are you not starting him?" I think it's it's just going to be you know a case of being there and enjoying it, and it's definitely going to give people a boost, a much needed boost after the horrendous year everybody's had. Um, it's just going to give everyone you know that bit of happiness and that bit of excitement back in their life. So absolutely massive refresh. Yeah, it's fascinating that. I'm, I wonder what happens. I wonder what happens sort of next season. I mean, obviously we don't know. We don't know what. Um... What the situation is going to be like? There's obviously plans for for things to sort of open in, you know, to be opened up fully. But whether that actually happens or not, or happens on time or not, we don't we don't know yet. I I, I suppose part of me wonders whether, for some people, it might be, you know, that thought of actually getting back into big crowds again won't be something that they want to do. I wonder how many people will sort of have that thought. I mean, it's weird. I mean, this isn't a football point at all, but. You know that reaction to cross the road when somebody is walking on the same side of the pavement as you. I mean, it's it's interesting how quickly that has become sort of second nature. And I wonder, I wonder whether people will sort sort of recoil from that idea of full crowds. I don't know, Thomas. Do you know? Have you sort of had that conversation with other people in your life about you know? Do you know people who would have second thoughts about going back? Because obviously, the thing that we're not supposed to be doing at the moment or we've not supposed to be doing for the last year or so is actually hanging out with other people. Yeah, it's it's I mean I don't know anyone personally but you know um with the work with the supporters trust you speak to other fan groups around the country and it's it's been one of the one of the key messages given to you know the 
the governing bodies in the game and, and the clubs specifically is to protect these fans that do have those thoughts because, you know, for example, if someone has a season ticket and they, and they don't feel comfortable going back, they shouldn't have to give up that season ticket. They should just be protected until they're ready to come back. And I think that's one of the messages that fans across the country have tried to push, that, you know, they don't lose any loyalty points so they don't lose any priority on on any long-term season ticket price freezes and all this sort of stuff. And they're just protected and and, and that the clubs realise that this is a... This is a it's a risky moment for some people who are, you know, at risk and, and don't feel comfortable coming out of the house and, and especially going into an environment like this, that's, that they're protected going forward and, and, and that, you know, the clubs realise that and, and I'm sure that they will. I'm sure that, you know, the football clubs will be, they'll happily, you know, sell that seat on until until they're ready to return and, and look after these people. You know, it's a, it is a difficult one and you're, you're totally right that it will be, it will be so strange you know, potentially brushing shoulders with random people again, um, because it is something yeah. that we've, yeah, we've yeah, deliberately tried to avoid um, for the last year. Never mind getting a punch in the bollocks in, after a 90-second <laughs> minute winner at Goodison Park. Yeah, sorry about, sorry about that, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it West Brom when that happened, wasn't it? <laughs> well, that happened at both West Brom. Yeah, it happened quite a lot last season. Yeah. It's, it's weird, though, isn't it? Because COVID, I mean, our routines have completely gone out the window and, and football is a massive part of people's routines, isn't it? Um, and you've probably spent the last year adjusting your routine now so that football isn't in it. And now it's going to go back to being in your routine again. COVID just doesn't give a shit about anybody's routine, does it? So is is it going to be weird, Kendall, now having to think about football on a, on a match day and stuff? I know we've only got two games left this season, but... Come on, starting next year, we're going to have to start reintegrating football into our lives. I never thought we'd have to do that. No, it's it's kind of mad because you know things just happened kind of at like the speed of light. It's only been a few weeks since we were told that fans are allowed back in, so it's kind of happened. And we've built up our own little tradition now, like me and my granddad. So I go and watch like all the Newcastle games with my granddad now because, um, you know, we were his bubbles at, at one time. Um, so we we watch all the matches with him. So it's going to be weird not watching with him. Um, despite the fact that I've spent, you know, the best part of 13 seasons um, going to the matches. So it, it'll be strange actually being there and not being able to watch it with my granddad. And I'll almost have a little bit of, you know, emotional sense. Like, oh, my granddad's watching it by himself, but he won't be bothered anyway. He'll just, he doesn't really pay attention at the moment. You know, he's, he's another one of them who's just kind of like, oh, man, it is what it is at the moment. It's, you know, it's Newcastle. We, we've, we play the way we do and it's just the end of the season now. So, yeah, it'll, but it'll be nice to have that routine back and, you know, looking forward the week before you go to the match, getting all your plans arranged and seeing everyone That's you know that, that'll be yeah that'll, <laughs> yeah. that'll be nice to uh, get back to that i think definitely one of the downsides i think for me is that i'm not going to be able to hear matt ritchie turning the air blue on live tv anymore <laughs> on the other side of the pitch that's the thing i'm, I'm going to miss that <laughs> <laughs> that's the one well um unless george or chris if you have anything else you want to add i think we'll we can wrap it up can't we yes i would urge everyone to to watch uh Kendall's piece that was on the BBC last week it was really good uh, yes. and and a real eye opener. So if you've not seen that, I'm sure you can find it on uh, Kendall's Twitter feed. Definitely, Chris. Anything to add? Uh, no, just I hope you you enjoy the game on, on Wednesday, guys. It, it yeah, sounds, yeah, sounds selfish in many ways because obviously I've been going I've been going to, to to a lot of the games, but I think that there may be a tear in my eye on Wednesday because as George says, it's been a sterile environment. It hasn't been the same, and actually. Like New Order was playing at the weekend on the radio, and I had I almost had like a little glint in my eye then. So to 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 feel fans back in the ground is going to be something special. You're just I can't saying that's giving me shivers. Like I just got honestly got goosebumps when you said that. There. 
<laughs> I'll, you'll just see I'm me. I'm sure I'll you can on, hold it together, I'll Chris. I'll be on the TV crying my eyes out and everyone will just be like, wow, look at this, look at this mess. <laughs> but it's, oh it's, I do think that's really important. I mean, it's like, a, you know, the, the two cup finals Newcastle got to in the 90s, I cried just when Newcastle came onto the pitch. And I mean, I felt, I felt like crying. I felt yeah. like crying afterwards for, for sort of very different reasons. But it was that sense of being somewhere and meaning and... Oh my God! You know this is a day where you stand back and you think about family and you think about friends and you think about people who aren't there and can't be there and you think about all those things it represents. I do think I do think this week is about that too. And okay, it's not Wembley; it's a different kind of environment. It's not about trying to win something, but it's just that great reminder about what football, what Newcastle is in our lives. It's this; it is this idea of coming together and being part of something, and we have huge frustration about our club because it very often doesn't feel you know like they they feel the same things that we do but it's just it's just going to be such a great occasion and I I feel yeah just sing your hearts out and you know love love every minute of it I'm sure it's going to be very very special excellent stuff I don't think there's any better way to end it than that um thanks a lot Kendall and and Thomas for coming on thank you for giving us your time and uh and joining us on pod on the time it's been great having you and uh enjoy the game Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. You sounded just like Justin Lockwood. Enjoy the game. <laughs> sounded exactly like it. Exactly like it. Oh, brought me a little bit of familiarity back. Love that. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So, we mentioned earlier on there's some big conversations that need to be had uh, at Newcastle this summer. And obviously, Steve Bruce uh, is going to be part and parcel of those. He's going to be a big part of those conversations. Steve Bruce, Manager of the Month, of course, Chris. Yeah? Yeah, thoroughly deserved. I mean, we've criticised him, and, and rightly so, in my opinion, in, in previous podcasts when it's been uh, warranted. But I will give credit certainly where it's due. And for Newcastle, I think almost a transformation more than anything else to have come back from the position they were in after Brighton, when, as, as George and I wrote, we thought it felt like the end. It should We thought it should have been the end. And to then have picked up eight points from that position, to have got Newcastle in the position that they were, I think he, he thoroughly deserved that award. But in terms of going forward in terms of those big conversations that he says he, he needs to have. I think this is a very, very difficult summer for Newcastle now for so many reasons, but primarily if you what what is what is the vision for next season? How can you entice supporters back? Given the, the takeover limbo that they're in, given the fact that as as Matt Sater and I have written in this piece, which you can read on the athletic, it, it looks highly unlikely that anything is going to be solved imminently unless the Premier League suddenly turn around and say that the arbitration you can uh, just filter through because it looks like both arbitration and the other caucus will drag on for at least a few months if not longer could be significantly longer then what 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 vision can you give to supporters to entice them back 
we've had 18 months of, of this sort of limbo situation. This year, this whole season has essentially been that. Can Newcastle just go through that again? I don't think that that's fair on Steve Bruce. I don't think that's fair on anyone else to, to have this situation where you're essentially just waiting for something to happen. Mike Ashley, Lee Charnley, Steve Bruce need to try and come up with some sort of ideas for the next six to eight months to try and get Newcastle fans to, to, to buy into something. Yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, it's not going to be exactly what everyone wants, but at least give something to look forward to, some sort of optimism. And I think that's going to be very difficult. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to tackle that. It's a great point, that, Chris. I mean, it actually goes in, it, it snakes into every single part of the club because you also have to do the same thing to players. Because players don't want to think think that they're at Newcastle um, that's just treading water, that's just waiting for something that may or may not happen at some indeterminate point in the future. You know, players want to think that they're here to get better and that the club's trying to get better. Now, these then tie, you know, that ties into a lot of historical uh, issues that fans have had with the club in the first place about, you know, whether there's a glass ceiling, this historical 13th place, average 13th place finish under Mike Ashley. These are already problems at the club you know is it a club that's straining to get better that's really really pushing well no it hasn't been I think that's I think I think we would all argue that perhaps at the club they'd say different so now when you've got all this uncertainty when you've got an owner who wants out you know where do where do they go can they be forward thinking at the same time as not wanting to spend too much money um, I mean it's interesting seeing um you know, seeing Leicester win the FA Cup at the weekend, this is a slightly separate point. I mean, but it's not a club that is traditionally in the big six. Certainly wasn't part of the Super League um, nonsense that happened recently. It's really because of a club, clubs like Leicester that, you know, that I think those big, big, big clubs have been scared into trying to sort of do something. But you can be, you can be ambitious, you can be forward thinking um, and you can have a go if you're clever. So this gets us into the realms, you know, into those realms again. Can what can Newcastle do? What can Newcastle do this summer? And it's not again. It's about players. It's about persuading them. It's about getting fans to buy in. It's just about making the club somewhere that people want to be around. And it's 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 not done that over the last decade and more. So um, is it can can those wounds be healed? I think you know you look at the last two seasons. And there's been a great excuse to be able to, to not, not the club have sort of said anything, but, you know, to say, we just have to get through, you know, we just have to get through. So last season, you know, the pandemic happens two thirds of the way through, whatever it was, we just have to get through. We have to be safe. You've then got the takeover and, the pan, you know, no fans. Again, you can't afford to get relegated, not this season. So we've had, we've had two seasons of that, but what happens next? See that George, the cynic in me, who you know has a very loud voice in my head, would say this plays lovely into into Mike Ashley's hands, and and really kind of is perfect for him because he doesn't have to spend any money, and he can he can basically say, well, I can't because I'm waiting for a takeover to happen or not happen or whatever. He's he can sit there and just go bare minimum every year, bare minimum until it's sorted. And and if it's not going to be sorted this this summer, which as Chris is saying, it, it looks like there's a there's a distinct possibility it won't be. It just allows him to continue with mediocrity and minimum investment, and you know, make and do. And that to me is dangerous because that's where you end up with a situation like we nearly ended up in this season, where you're fighting a relegation battle in the last couple of weeks of the season. And that to me 
can't happen again. We can't get ourselves in that situation this season. It's got to be, we've got, you know, I, I don't think it's too much to ask to expect that squad and that team and this club to be a mid-table team. I don't think it is. Yeah. So it gets us back to all these existential questions. I mean, I, I would, you know, I want to add my congratulations to Steve Bruce as well. Um, as Chris said, I mean, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty sort of remarkable achievement, bearing in mind the low base. Um, and you know, and Brighton, and you know, I think winning three games since then. Um, you know, you, you have to go back to to mid December, the last time you you know the the previous three wins went back to last sort of December, if you know what I'm saying. So. It's a good job he did win it because if he hadn't, then Newcastle might well have been relegated. But as you say, Taylor, you know you don't want to be in this position again. It's the the form has lifted at absolutely the right time. At the moment, the team is still sixteenth in the table. I mean, hopefully they can they can jump a couple of places um, in the next few days. But even so, we're not talking about Nirvana here, are we? We've seen. I think we have that sense of relief, but also that sense of oh, I don't want to go through this again. You know, I just don't want to go through this again because it's been such a wearing, a wearing and difficult and tough trying. It's not been fun this season. Can the club make it better? Will they? Are they interested in doing that? And, you know, yeah, there's, there's a perfect excuse, um, if you like, for doing for doing nothing. But, um, yeah, let's hope, let's hope, let's hope it's better than that. Keep your eyes open for that piece from Chris and Matt Slater as well. Should be an interesting read, and let's hope Newcastle can uh, can do something over the summer. Uh, right then, it's quiz time, chaps. It's quiz time again, George's favourite part of the week. Uh, this week's quiz is hosted by young George Coggan, 14 years old from County Durham. Uh, he's a big fan of the podcast and quizzes in general, and he's wrote to me uh, to say that maybe we could just do one big quiz each week. His favourite player listen, is listen, Barry Venison listen. because he likes his hair, and George hopes one day to write listen. about football for a subscription-based website. Yes, George? You know how I feel about this absolute farce. If you're going to actually... I feel like I have the piss taken out of me every week. If you're actually just going to take the piss out of me... I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to. I took the piss out of Chris last week. It's all. It's all relative. Come on. Yeah, but Chris deserves it. <laughs> even Chris wouldn't. Even Chris wouldn't disagree with that. I wouldn't Aww. disagree with that. No. I've tried to make the quiz so bad this week that we'll never do it. We'll be inundated with complaints, and therefore we'll never do it again. I want you two to be really angry at the end of this quiz. I will never be as angry as you, my friend. I've also not thought of a pub to have it in. I've just that's just dawned on me. The hotspur. We've been to all the pubs. Oh, the hotspur. Have we? The have we done the? Have I, uh, no, have we've we done, never done um, the hotspur. What about the fourth? So. Uh, I don't know if we've done the fourth either. No. Have we done the fourth. Can't don't remember. Think so. Oh, the fourth on Pink Lane. I love the fourth. That was. I've uh, done the pub quiz at the fourth before. That was good. It's good. Oh, have you? Um, it was always my. It was always my post-match uh, pub. Well, quite often it was post-match pub. Back into the 92, 93, 93, 94, I wrote yeah. about this. Here we go. Right. So, I'm doing a Fulham. We're in the fourth. It's nice beer. Blah, blah, blah. I'm doing a Fulham-themed quiz because Fulham are Newcastle's opponents on the last day of the season. Right. Heads or tails? Who shall I ask? Heads or tails? Chris. Tails. Have we actually got a heads or tails coin this week? Or is it going to be like yes, the Euros checked. thing? I've checked. Right. I've checked. Tails. Oh. <sighs> Tails, tails, never fails. So, would you like to go first or second? First. 
First, Aaron Hughes made 191 league starts for Fulham between 2007 and 2014. Was that more or less league starts than he made for Newcastle? Should I say more or fewer or more or less? What's the right thing to say there? Uh, fewer, I think. But how many? How many did you say? Sorry, one hundred and ninety-one. Is this Not general sure. league or is this uh, league? So it, it could league. be any. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, did he make more league I made, starts? I think he made. I think he made fewer starts for Newcastle United. Wah, wah, oops. I'm gonna say he had to have made more for Newcastle. He was here for a long time. Really. Yeah, 193. It was incredibly <sighs> close. So there right, you go. So the bed there, Chris, nil. didn't you? Huh? Right. Yeah. Taylor. <clears throat> Lee Clark started 161 league games for Newcastle over two spells. In his six years at Fulham, did Clarkey make more start more or fewer i'm getting really worked up about whether i should be saying more or less or more or fewer did he make fewer appearances for fulham or did he make more did he start more league fuck me (laughs) lee clark started 161 league games for newcastle over two spells he had six years at fulham did he start more league games or did he start fewer league games um oh god. Um He started few he must have started fewer league games for Fulham than he did for Newcastle. He must have done. Correct, it's 141. One point to Taylor. It's probably easy that one. But I, I lost interest. Question three. So who goes who's who's this? This is Chris again. Scott Parker. Um oh, the highlight of Scott Parker's career was undoubtedly winning the Intertoto yeah. Cup with Newcastle in 2006. Now, the weird thing about that is that Newcastle only played one game in the Intertoto Cup that season or that summer. Who was it? Who who did they play? Was that two legs? Yes. Well, two games then, isn't it? They played one (laughs) opponent. Who was it? (laughs) Don't Uh... be redundant, Chris. (laughs) Ah... Oh, I don't remember this. I should know this, and I don't. Um, I, I know this is wrong, exactly. but I'm going to go for it. NAC Breda. No. Can you remember, Taylor? Um, off the top of my head... Um, no, you, do, you don't know. It's Lillestrøm. It's Lillestrøm. Quack, quack. Oops. Yeah, there we go. Oh, I think Taylor's got the easier... He's got the easiest draw, as it were. Um, so, having beaten Lillestrøm over two legs, Newcastle qualified for the UEFA Cup proper. They got to the round of 16. Who did they lose to in the round of 16, Taylor? Um, I can't remember this. Um, Can I have to hurry you? Oh, the name escapes me, George. Um, Monaco, maybe? No, Chris. Oops, Chris. Can you remember? Uh, this is for no points. This was was this Louis Van Hal. Yes, it was. Uh, who was Louis Van Hal at? Uh, it was Az Alkmaar. Az Alkmaar. Move on. Uh, yeah. 
Right. Uh, so it is 1-0 to Taylor after two rounds. Round three. I think I seem to have just run out of questions after this one. I've like written down five questions, but that's not like... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, whose go is it? Chris. Mah oh, you don't like music. Muhammad Al-Fayed unveiled a statue to Michael Jackson outside Craven Cottage in 2011. Do you remember that? I do, yes. Yeah. How many UK number ones did Michael Jackson have? <laughs> oh my god. Oh it George What what oops. Um Taylor, do you know just out of interest? I haven't got a bloody clue. Twelve? No, not that many. Six. Uh seven. No. I've just I've just run out of questions. <laughs> So I mean, Taylor has won. That's, it does. It, that does feel a bit unsatisfactory. Um, Taylor, can you name three of Michael Jackson's number ones? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, black, black or white? That must have been one, was it? Black oh, or white? That's the the the, uh, the song you wrote about Newcastle United. Yes, correct. Very true. Um, or oh, Man in the Mirror. I'd imagine Billy Jean. No, and yes. So you've got that wrong. Um, <laughs> So, quite surprisingly, I'm going to read them out. One Day in Your Life, Billie Jean, which is possibly the best pop song ever written, but I'm not prepared to fight anybody about that, and Michael Jackson is a bit dodgy, obviously. I Just Can't Stop Loving You, Black or White, You Are Not Alone, Earth Song, and Blood on the Dance Floor. What I'm staggered to remember is that Thriller only got to number 10 in the UK hit parade. If anyone is listening to this podcast, it is a Newcastle United podcast. But um, but they were Fulham-related questions, Chris. This is they were Fulham-related questions. George Corgan. They were <laughs> Fulham-related questions. What about that is not Fulham-related? I don't want to talk to you anymore. If what happened? If, to if the, your what happened to, to Michael Jackson's statue and turn it into an absolute farce, George? You've done your job. Well done. What happened to Michael Jackson's statue well, in two thousand fourteen? Pathetic little life, George. Uh, what happened moved. to Michael? Where to? Uh, is it in Harrods? <laughs> no, it was moved to the National Football Museum. It's a football question, Chris. <laughs> However, it was also removed from display there in 2019, oh. I think probably because of dodginess, general dodginess. Anyway, that's the end of the quiz. Taylor wins with a magnificent total of one <laughs> to Chris's zero. Thanks for that, George. Lovely stuff. Well, there we go. Chris, are you happy with that? I mean, I just hope George never comes back on this podcast again. To be honest with you, but, uh, that was disgusting, wasn't it? If he's if he's well, trying to get the quiz ended permanently, he's going the right way about it. Well, thank you very much for listening. Thanks a lot to Kendall and Thomas for coming on as well and talking to us. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your podcast provider so you don't miss any episodes. And visit theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod for forty percent off the full price of a subscription. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. The Athletic.